Alright, hello everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Easy Street Sports. It's just me again today. Let's get right into it. So the Lions have a very good position in the upcoming NFL Draft. They are picking number two overall. And let's talk about some of the players that we predict they are going to pick at number two. So I think there's a lot of noise around the NFL that Malik Willis, especially from the Senior Bowl, I think has impressed a lot of people in a few franchises, particularly maybe the Lions. They've talked about potentially taking the quarterback at number two. I really don't think that that's a good idea. Um, they already have Jared Goff, who, yes, he is a tier two quarterback, but with the contract that Jared Goff has right now, grabbing a quarterback at number two, because when you take a quarterback at number two, at number one, two, three, four, maybe even number five, if you take a quarterback that high in the draft, they automatically become your starter, and you need to start winning immediately, or people start to lose their jobs. It's as simple as that. Especially when when you draft them that high, first round, first five draft picks, they expect to be paid a lot, and for good reason. When you take somebody that early, there's a lot of reputation with, you're going to pay them a lot. It's as simple as that. Um, but with the contract that you have with Jared Goff, I believe he's got one more year. You're paying him $30 million. To grab somebody, to grab a quarterback at number two, pay him a similar amount over the course of a rookie deal and either have him sit behind Jared Goff or play ahead of Jared Goff, especially when you're paying Jared Goff that much money to begin with, it it's, it's hard for me to argue that taking Malik Willis would be a good idea, uh, especially when I think when you look at this year's draft class in general, I don't think that any of the quarterbacks are phenomenal in their own right. Um, I think when you look at the big ones, you have Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett. I mean, when, when I know there's not, let, let's go back. I know that there's not a school that when, when you draft somebody from there, the quarterback is automatically going to be great. The only two schools that come to mind that are considered a breeding ground for that specific position is Iowa, uh, tight end university, or I believe LSU is known as wide receiver university. USC used to be running back university, but obviously they're not what they used to be. But when you think of Liberty, I, I honestly don't even know where Liberty is. And I think that's part of my point is when a quarterback comes out of Liberty, I'm not I'm not quite sure what to take of that, especially when you look at his season, how how he did over the course of his season. Um he only the only ranked team that Malik Willis played against was Ole Miss when Ole Miss was ranked number sixteen, and that was back in November. He had three interceptions against Ole Miss and he lost that game 14 to 27. All of the other games were unranked. All of the other teams were unranked. And to 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 play against the only ranked team in your entire season, lose to them and put up three interceptions and they talk about how he has phenomenal talent. Sure, you can make the argument that he has phenomenal talent, but I think he's also very reckless. I think that he got away with a lot, and it obviously shows in his stats. And I know that stats is not really something that we like to talk about here, but I think there's one statistic that you can pull from anywhere, and that's going to be interceptions. There's really only three types of interceptions. That is the first one, the most relevant or the most common probably is just a 
plain old run-of-the-mill bad pass. You throw the ball in the wrong area, defensive or defensive back is going to pick it up, your basic interception. Your next interception type is going to be when you throw a pass to a receiver and it's not quite in the right spot that it needs to be. So, so the receiver might hit it with one hand and lob it up into the air and then the defensive back just comes underneath it, catches it like a punt return, and then they've got an interception. And part of a segue there, if that's a type of interception that happens, that needs to be a stat where I would say, quote-unquote, half of the interception goes to the quarterback, and then the other half goes to the receiver. I don't quite agree with the fact of calling that interception 100% the quarterback's fault, especially when the receiver is able to touch it with one hand. But that might be a story for a different time. But either way, that's your second type of interception, where the receiver will be able to touch it with one hand, maybe two hands, but it bounces off or it flies up in the air and the defensive back is able to just come underneath it, catch it, and bring it back for some yards. Your third interception is one where the defensive linemen are in a position where if the quarterback throws the ball too low, they're able to swat their hand at it. And sometimes when they do that, defensive linemen will send the ball straight straight up and they'll be able to catch it and then they're able to take it and sometimes you see it a pick six and those are interesting ones sometimes it has to do with the height of the quarterback or the height of the throw but either way those are your three types of interceptions and generally they're all in some way shape or form the fault of the quarterback whether it's the pass is too low and it's able to be tipped by the defensive lineman or it's not in the right spot it's in a difficult spot for the receiver to grab because sometimes usually the receiver is running in a certain direction so if you throw it behind him and he tries to reach for it he might send it straight up and a defensive back is able to get to it or just your plain old run-of-the-mill regular interception where you just throw the ball in the wrong spot so when you play number 16 Ole Miss and you lose that game, and you throw three interceptions, that's not really something that tells me this guy's going to be good in the NFL. If you look at, I think the two quarterbacks that really don't fit the mold of if they come from a good school in college, they'll probably do well in the NFL. And that's Patrick Mahomes at Texas Tech, and then Josh Allen out of Wyoming. Both of those schools don't really exude the idea of we have some of the best quarterbacks that are now playing in the NFL, and we we had them in our college. I remember there was a game against Texas Tech and Oklahoma, and that was when Patrick Mahomes was in Texas Tech and Baker Mayfield was with Oklahoma, and they combined for the most offensive yards, offensive passing yards, um quarterback completions I mean it was just a a firework show between those two quarterbacks and that might have been a good example of why Patrick Mahomes is now so good in the NFL and Baker Mayfield we've talked about him before and his injuries I think he still has a lot of potential so we'll just see what happens but Patrick Mahomes is a good example of a quarterback that didn't come from a Georgia or an Alabama or a Michigan where people expect players that go to those schools or an Ohio State people that players that go to those schools are expected to immediately transition into the NFL and same thing with Josh Allen he played at Wyoming which isn't really known for developing phenomenal talent that can transition to the NFL I can't think of another player off the top of my head that go that went to Wyoming, but obviously Josh Allen is the other quarterback that has helped the Bills win multiple divisions, win plenty of playoff games, get to the AFC t- uh, championship game, and he's had some trouble against Patrick Mahomes, but at the end of the day, those are two good examples where 
they didn't go to a quote-unquote football school that's known around the country for football. But still, Liberty is even a, a, a notch below a Wyoming or a Texas Tech. So it's really difficult for me to think that a Malik Willis is really going to be a good option for the Lions to take at number two. Now, the Lions have the number two overall pick, the 32nd overall pick, and the 34th overall pick. So, I think if, for whatever reason, Malik Willis falls to them at 32 or even 34, sure. I would not be a fan of it, but I would at least understand that at least they know that Jared Goff is not the long-term solution and they're looking for a quarterback that potentially can maybe grow behind a Jared Goff, get a year of experience under his belt, and then become the starter two seasons from now. Sure, I can get behind that. If they can take Malik Willis at 32 or 34, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll agree with that. But I do not agree with them taking Malik Willis at number two. It, it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me in any way, shape, or form to take him at number two. It, there's, I don't see enough upside to take a quarterback at that early, especially when the talent in this draft class is not in the quarterback area. And that brings me to my next player. The player I think they should take at number two is Aiden Hutchinson, the defensive end or the edge rusher out of Michigan. Now, I've heard some stories that he might not be as good as an Aaron Donald or a Vaughn Miller or these other big defensive linemen. Um, uh, oh, who is the guy out of um, Chase Young uh, with the commanders now? So I've I've heard that there's stories that he's not he might not have the best stats as those guys. But I think there's two aspects about Aiden Hutchinson that really make the most sense for me to bring him to the Lions is he was in Michigan. So staying in the state is kind of part of a move to to keep a franchise guy or face-of-the-franchise-type guy in the state from Michigan right to Detroit. A gritty, you know, tough-as-nails player and and bring him into Detroit I think is a good move in terms of finding a face-of-the-franchise kind of player. But the second piece is the way that Aiden Hutchinson plays. He's very hard-nosed, very hard-tack, very in-your-face, very aggressive defensive guy. And I think that's where the Lions head coach, Dan Campbell, that's the kind of identity that he wants to build in Detroit. Where the defense, when you go to Detroit, you don't want to play them because you don't want to play their defense because they're so, they have so much tenacity. They're, they're so aggressive. And that was the one thing last year that they really wanted. To me, that was their identity where their offense, again, there were some blatant issues on their offense, but I think near the end of the season, when Dan Campbell took over the play calling, and now he has Ben Johnson as his offensive coordinator, who I think had a large part to do with the offensive schemes that Dan Campbell came up with once he took over play calling, but I think the whole point of, we we saw the Rams game where they faked the punt, they faked a field goal, they tried all these random unorthodox methods just to get a first down, to get a touchdown, to to try to put themselves in a position to win a game in a non-traditional way. And the reason they leaned so much on that, I think is large in part to the fact that Dan Campbell wants to fight tooth and nail for every single yard solely because, okay, we don't get the first down when we fake a punt. We don't get a touchdown when we fake a field goal. That's fine. Our defense is so aggressive and so scary that we know that the defense will get a stop and we don't have to worry too much about anything. And so I think to bring in a player like Aiden Hutchinson, a defensive lineman, 
a defensive end, I think would be really good to cement the philosophy and the identity of the Detroit Lions that Dan Campbell is trying to build. He's trying to build this team that I think the the philosophy I think he's aiming for is similar to the Chicago Bears where their defense was so scary to play. I mean, they had players on the defense in Chicago that tried to just knock people out, to just scare them into trying to do anything on offense, to just completely disrupt their offensive game plan. And so to bring in a player like Aiden Hutchinson, which showed that type of aggressiveness against Ohio State when he put up those 15 quarterback pressures, and all of those stats in that game to, to win, to get them to the Big Ten title game, I think that is really what the the Lions need in their second-round pick is, is a defensive end. And I think if you look at the Super Bowl with the Rams and the Bengals, I think the Rams are a perfect example of why the quarterback is probably, if not is, the most important position on the field. The second most, arguably, could be those defensive linemen, those defensive ends that can get to the quarterback and completely disrupt any kind of offensive game plan that the, the other team wants to start to generate. It, it completely removes the possibility of developing a drive down the field. Everything just gets blown up in the backfield and they can't do anything. So I think to grab somebody like that at number two is really, really important, especially to to strengthen the defense, which I think, I know Detroit struggled numbers-wise on defense, but when you saw their defense play every week, there was a level of, a level of arrogance and a level of tenacity with the defense that really made me think that if they can get actual talent on the defense, because if you look back to, I believe it was the Arizona Cardinals game, when they beat, when Detroit beat the Cardinals by, I believe, 30, or they scored 30 points, they they developed, they, they had this game plan where the defense was in large part of the preventing the Cardinals from from developing anything on on offense. But all of their defensive backs in that game were from the practice squad. So if Detroit can can get that level of energy and that level of tenacity out of practice squad players, imagine if they have real talent on the defense, then they'd be a real force to be reckoned with. So, again, I, I really think that to take anybody at number two especially the way the draft class is going, they've really got to take a defensive lineman. They really do. Or a defensive end, an edge rusher. And they, I think Aiden Hutchinson fits both Dan Campbell's philosophy and I think he's one of those guys that you plug him right into the defense, he'll, he'll get you sacks, he'll, get you, he'll disrupt the offense of the other team. And I think he'll be a really good addition to the defense. Now, the other the the kink in that armor that I'm that I'm seeing is the Jaguars have the number one overall pick. And I've seen them going in two directions. They are either gonna take a offensive lineman to help out Trevor Lawrence. Um they might take an offensive tackle from um Alabama or Georgia. But I've also seen that they might take a defensive end or an edge rusher. So if the Jacksonville Jaguars decide to go in the defensive route or the defensive decision to take Aiden Hutchinson at number one, then that might be an issue for the Lions, especially when they're both gunning for the same guy. And that brings me to the other defensive lineman, Kayvon Thibodeau, out of Oregon. I think he had a lot of hype in the beginning of the season, but as the season progressed and then after the Ohio State game and then through the combine right now and everything going on in Indianapolis, I think there's a lot of movement, a lot of hype moving from Kayvon Thibodeau to Aiden Hutchinson to where 
and the more the more I think about it, the more that I see these articles, the more I see stuff happening, the more the draft is getting closer. I really think that the Jaguars are going to lean defense, and they're probably going to take Aiden Hutchinson. That's what a lot of mock drafts say. That's what a lot of articles are saying is that they're probably going to take Aiden Hutchinson. And do I agree with that from the Jacksonville perspective? Sure. Um, I think taking an Aaron Donald type player where you plug them into the defense and they start to completely disrupt anything the other team's offense can do is definitely a good idea. Do I think that the Jaguars have a lot of issues that they need to fix? And one of their issues is also an offensive lineman. I would absolutely agree. I think that's that was a big part of Detroit last offseason in the last draft. They took a lineman number seven overall with Penny Sewell, and obviously that paid off. And I think the line, the offensive line in Detroit is definitely better now and is going to be better going into next season. So from a Lions perspective, I hope that Jacksonville goes with an offensive tackle in the first with the first overall pick. So that Aiden Hutchin Aiden Hutchinson falls to them. But again, back to Kayvon Thibodeau, even though a lot of hype came away from him, I think out in out in Oregon, he showed a lot of raw talent where he he definitely has the ceiling ability to plug into a defense, cause a lot of disruption to the other team's offense, and be a good asset to the Dan Campbell Detroit defense. The only issue is is that he sh- he, he he was a high octane player, but I, I I really never heard a lot of consistent high level play. So uh, I think that he might be more of a project defensive lineman where he might have a lot of upside, but he might need a lot of help in the offseason to prepare for the NFL speed, the NFL level. So there's definitely some positives there, but I think there's a lot of question marks on how actually how good is Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, If he transitions into the NFL very well, I wouldn't be surprised. But at, at the end of the day, I have a lot of question marks because if a lot of hype is leaving somebody, I'm not too sure what that means in terms of that player. So, But again, he, he played in Oregon. Oregon has a strong conference that, that they play in, so I wouldn't be surprised if he's ready for the NFL. It's when a lot of hype moves away from somebody, that means either two things. That means somebody's trying to hush everybody up, kind of play down the hype so that they can take them. A lot like Kansas City, they, they, they really played down a lot of the hype for Patrick Mahomes so that they could take him at number 10. And obviously the Chiefs uh, ran away with that deal pretty well. So I'm not quite sure if that's the plan with, with Kayvon Thibodeau, if people are trying to quiet down the hype so that somebody can take him lower and get a lot of bang for their buck. But um, or it's a lot of okay, maybe this guy was overhyped, and now we're moving on to Aiden Hutchinson, who might actually be a better choice for a defensive end. Either way, the one silver lining that Detroit has going into the draft is two things: if the Jaguars take an offensive lineman, then they have the choice of either Kayvon Thibodeau or Aiden Hutchinson, and I would believe they would take Aiden Hutchinson. Because I think that's the guy they want. That's the guy they need at number two. And that's that's probably their best bet. But if Jacksonville decides to go in the defensive end route in this upcoming draft, and they take Aiden Hutchinson, then, okay, they can take Kayvon Thibodeau because he's, he's the other guy that fell to them. And if Aiden Hutchinson does well in Jacksonville and Kayvon Thibodeau does average or not as well as Aiden Hutchinson, then Detroit can say, well, we got to pick second. Jacksonville got to pick first. They picked the guy that we both wanted. So we got what was left. 
and that's what we got. We wanted Aiden Hutchinson, but we got Kayvon Thibodeau. That's an argument that they, they, they can um, support or they can argue because they didn't have a choice when Aiden Hutchinson got taken by Jacksonville. So the fact that they have really, I think, two good outcomes. Again, you, you of course, if you take a guy in the top three, that guy should immediately elevate your team from where they are. The the with the Lions winning three games, tying a fourth game, and then losing the thirteen, you need to get a guy that can get you from, let's say, four wins to six or seven. I think with their with their schedule next year, with the draft picks that they have available. I really think that six or seven wins next year is a very, very achievable goal. And to take somebody in the top three should get you there almost immediately just by taking somebody that high, especially players like a quarterback or a defensive end where they will immediately elevate the game that your team is trying to build because those two positions are so important to each side of the ball so if they take if if either they can take Aiden Hutchinson at number two or if Kayvon Thibodeau falls to them because the Jaguars took Aiden Hutchinson I think both of those outcomes are perfect for Detroit especially with the direction they want to take then based on who everybody else takes in the first round if Malik Willis falls to them, take Malik Willis. I, I wouldn't be against them taking Malik Willis in or at 32, especially when the general manager for Detroit has shown that he can find talent late in the draft with Amon Ross St. Brown in the fourth round, and he's probably the number one, number two wide receiver right now with Detroit, and for good reason. I mean, he really, Amon Ross St. Brown really blossomed. Last, last season, and I, I'm hoping to see a lot of good things from him. Um, so, But again, to take one of those defensive ends at number two, then take either Malik Willis at number 32 if he's still available, or maybe take a wide receiver. There might be some wide receivers coming out of Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, Purdue. Maybe take a linebacker out of Utah. I think those are some really good options, especially for 32 and 34. And whoever they end up taking, whether I, I think number two, it's got to be either Aiden Hutchinson if Jacksonville doesn't take him, or Kayvon Thibodeau if Jacksonville takes Hutchinson. Those are your two options at number two. I really don't think, don't take Kyle Hamilton at number two. Um, we took Jeff Okuda at number three a couple years ago, and that's been useless. I mean, Jeff Okuda's been injured for so long. They talk about moving him to safety. It, it's just a mess. So to take another safety, I don't I don't know. I think there might be some nightmares from taking Jeff Okuda a few years ago. So taking a safety at number 2, that's I don't really know if that's going to be their best bet. Um and then a linebacker at number 2, the linebacker out of Utah. Um I, I don't know. I mean, to take to take players like that, especially with the way that the, the NFL is built now, with wide receivers being so much a part of the offense, so much more of a gunslinger kind of offense, a gunslinger kind of league now, I really think you got to take a defensive end at number two. But let's say Aiden Hutchinson... Or let's say the, the Lions do take Aiden Hutchinson. If the, the, the best case scenario would be if Jacksonville takes Kayvon Thibodeau. The, Jacksonville might see something different in Kayvon. They might bring him in instead, and we still get Aiden Hutchinson in Detroit. That would be a great opportunity also. With Malik Willis, there's quite a few franchises out there that definitely need a quarterback and there's been a lot of moves recently at the quarterback position and we'll get into those here soon 
But I think Malik Willis, if somebody's going to take him early in in the draft, I don't think the Texans would would be a bad spot. I think if the Texans took Malik Willis, I mean the the quarterback room in Houston is 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 I I can't even put into words. I know Deshaun Watson, he's now he's not being indicted, so um, some of those things in his personal life I think are starting to clear up a little bit. So we might see him get traded. We might see him come back to life in Houston. So with that being said, if the Watson project doesn't come back and he's not able to play or they trade him. If the Texans take Malik Willis, that might be a good situation for them to get a new quarterback, try out the new system, maybe move forward from there. The other place that I think should take Malik Willis are the Panthers. They they don't have an answer for quarterback either. I mean, they have Sam Darnold, who might have started out strong, and then completely fizzled out. And to be honest, Sam Darnold should be a backup somewhere. He should not be starting. Same thing with Cam Newton. To be honest, I don't even think Cam Newton should have a job right now in the NFL. He's definitely degraded from his prime back in when he was first in Carolina before he left. When he brought the Panthers to the Super Bowl. But I really don't think that... It would be a bad idea if Malik Willis got drafted by the Panthers. Or you could take the Falcons with Matt Ryan. He's going to retire soon. Um, With his future kind of being up in the air, I don't know how many years he has left in the tank. If the Falcons pick him up, maybe have him train or, or study under Matt Ryan for a few years, then build into the system... Because now with Tom Brady being gone, I really think the NFC South is wide open. I mean, plenty of opportunity for any team to take that mantle, to take that throne in the NFC South. All right. Next topic. The college football playoffs have been four teams for seven or eight years now. I think we can all agree, especially when it used to be only two teams, it was a single bowl game, and now we have four games, or four teams, I think it's safe to say that that is absolutely embarrassing for there to only be four teams. There should definitely be more teams in the playoffs Because it's not just fair to every team in the league or every team in college football, but for four teams to be there every year, all that ever says is, all that ever comes down to every year is, okay, who does Alabama play? And then who does Ohio State play? Yes, you can throw in Clemson, LSU, Oklahoma, Washington, Michigan State, but at the end of the day, more often than not, it's who does Alabama play? And then most often, who does Ohio State play? It's, that's all it's usually come down to. And the fact that they are not deciding on whether or not to expand to more than four teams until 2026, that's just, it's just embarrassing. I mean, if you look at, let's let's look at a few other postseason plans that other sports have implemented. If you think about the NFL, they were at 12 teams, six in the NFC, six in the AFC. Okay, that, that's that's a decent amount, especially when there's only 32. Then they moved to 14, so that that made even more teams eligible to be in the playoffs. They shifted around the the bye weeks, the seeds, the 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 wild card weekends, so on and so forth. Adding teams to the postseason is I never I don't think is ever a bad idea, especially when when 
you now, with the NFL, has 14 teams out of the 32. That's almost half of all the teams in the country are able to make it to the playoffs. That's more teams, more games, more publicity for those teams. Just all around, it's just a better idea to expand. But okay, that's a professional sport, sure. Let's look at college basketball then. March Madness starts today. The The teams are picked later today. 68 teams. And okay, sure, that's, that's uh, out of a total of... 358 teams. So it's only about 20%. 68 teams out of 358 in the entire U.S. are available to be in the March Madness Tournament. 68 out of 358. 20%, roughly. That's still 68 schools. You have the first four that that play right before the March Madness Tournament, and then you have the 64. 68 teams is so many schools that are able to put their mark on arguably the most exciting postseason tournament of any sport ever. 68. And college football gets four. We get Alabama, Ohio State, and the two other yahoos that might beat Ohio State, might beat Alabama. I mean, we we literally had Alabama play Georgia in the SEC title game. Then we had them play again for the national championship. We watched the SEC title game twice. There is zero representation of any other conference in the country. Ever. And, and sure, those might have been the best two teams in the country. Sure, go ahead. That, that argument's valid. They, Georgia destroyed, or not destroyed, but they, they, they put a healthy number on Michigan. Sure. Alabama beat Cincinnati. Yeah, what well, wasn't a super close game. They were probably the two best teams in the country. Absolutely. But they wonder why the ratings are down when we watch the SEC title game again. It, it's 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 just not it's not the right way to move forward with expanding the postseason. The postseason is the point of these are the best teams in the country. You get to watch the best football ever, the entire season, right at the end, and it's just two SEC teams. Now, do I think the SEC is strong? Sure, and if if they move forward and it's if they move forward and it's the SEC playing a Big Ten team and the SEC beats the Big Ten team, no problem. That, but, but the point is, is that the other conferences are represented in the playoffs. That's why I love the NFL so much, because regardless of what the record is, I, I remember a few years ago, the NFC East, nobody was above 500. And it was, it was kind of embarrassing that none of the teams had a winning record, but they, one of those teams in that division was still represented, as well as the other divisions. And then the best teams after the winners of the divisions got in. But for college, it's always the same teams, and it's really getting stale. So let's think about the last two seasons that that we had. If we think about the the 2022 season that we just had, if we expanded it to eight, here's what the games would have been. If we would have ranked them based on the seeds that they were in the AP poll rankings, here are the first round games if we had eight teams, 2022 college football playoffs. Number one, Alabama would have played number eight, Ole Miss. Number five, Notre Dame, would have played number four, Cincinnati. Number three, Georgia, would have played number six, Ohio State. And number two, Michigan, would have played number seven, Baylor. 
Now, I think just reading off those four games, those would have been awesome games to watch. I mean, you had Alabama play Ole Miss. Great rivalry there. Notre Dame and Cincinnati, probably another good rivalry. Not probably, that is a good rivalry. We saw them play earlier this season. Then you have Georgia play Ohio State, which would have been an awesome game to watch, especially when Georgia, we in hindsight, we know Georgia won, and we know Ohio State always has big guns come the, off se- or the postseason. Then you would have had Michigan play Baylor. That would have been a great game to watch. Then, let's say we expanded out to 12. And this might be too many. I would argue that, that there's there's definitely a, a drop-off after the first few where there's definitely a major difference between certain programs. But, still, if we expanded, uh, expanded the playoffs out to 12 teams, we would have had Alabama, number one Alabama, play number 12, Pitt. We would have had Number two, Michigan, play number 11, Utah. We would have had number three, Georgia, play number 10, Michigan State. Number four, Cincinnati, play number nine, Oklahoma State. Number five, Notre Dame, play number eight, Ole Miss. And number six, Ohio State, play number seven, Baylor. Now, a lot of those games, you've got SEC playing Big Ten or Big Ten playing Pac-12. Those create so much more, so a, a much better representation of the entire country in terms of their college basketball. You bring in the Big Ten, the Pac-12, the SEC, the Big 12, ACC. You, you bring in other conferences and you allow for more publicity of the entire country. And it, it just it's it's a better, more well-rounded approach to the playoffs in college. But more sample size, sure. Let's go back to the 2019 season, the the season before COVID. We would have had, if 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 we only had eight teams, we would have had Alabama play UCF, Michigan play Clemson. Notre Dame play Ohio State, and Oklahoma play Georgia. Those would have been phenomenal games also. I mean, we. long story short, what what is going on with college football? I don't know if Alabama's paying people off or what's going on. I say that as a joke. But seriously, Alabama, Georgia... And in Michigan, in this case, for years it's been Ohio State. Sometimes we get Notre Dame in there. Sometimes we get Oklahoma. This year we had Cincinnati. I mean, it's it's to take all 130 college football teams, college football programs, and condense the, the 130 down to four. I mean, if you want to get into percentages, yeah. March Madness only includes 20% of all of the basketball teams in the country. Sure, you want to get into percentages? Okay, that, 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 that's a fair argument. 20% is not a lot. 44% with the NFL, that's a decent number. That, that, that's, that's a decent number. 50% would be if they included 16, so 8 teams on both sides. And it's 6%. Total, if we expand it out to eight. But like I just read, expanding it to eight teams is still expanding it enough to include other conferences that have teams that might have a shot at winning. I mean, we, we if you look at the bowl game between Ohio State and Utah... They scored 40-plus points each. I mean, you're telling me neither of those teams had a chance to make it to the playoffs? Or, or, or to, ha- to have a shot at winning 
it the championship? I, I don't believe you. I really don't. So college football needs to get they need to get it together. That four teams is not enough. Four teams is an embarrassing amount. It's they need to expand. It's as simple as that. All right, back to the NFL. There were huge trades this week. First one, Aaron Rodgers staying with Green Bay. All of his noise that he made in the offseason, great. Just more no, more noise, more of a headache, more of a hassle. He, he's just causing problems just because he likes to be in the spotlight. My dad said that he is the uh, pretty girl at the dance who constantly needs to be reminded that they're pretty. And jokes aside, he's definitely not a team player. I think he's one of those players where if the Green if the Green Bay Packers lose a game, he'll come back and talk about, oh, well, I had a great game. I had good numbers. I had good stats. We just couldn't finish. We just couldn't finish strong and win that game. It's That's just a headache that I do not want the Packers to have. But they signed him to four years, $200 million, $50 million a year. Oh, boy. Um, I think the next few years, Green Bay is going to have some problems that are going to really start to be an infestation to the franchise. They drafted Jordan Love. They, I have no idea what they're doing with him. I don't know if they're going to trade him, if they're going to keep him. The The draft pick was really pretty much a waste. Um, and I don't really know if Aaron Rodgers is going to start to lose his prime ability soon. I mean, he's going to start getting older. You might start to see a Ben Roethlisberger-esque end, or end to his career where he might start to turn from a tier one down to a tier two just because at the end of the day time is the the ruler of all things i mean you can't stop time you can't stop aging except for tom brady for whatever whatever his regimen is we got to figure out what his diet is so we can all live to eight to be 120 but aaron Rodgers. Is he's either going to start to degrade, his ability start going to start to go down, and then that's when his lack of leadership, his obsession with self, is is his narcissism is really going to become a major issue. Especially with the culmination of his physical ability starting to de- degrade. I, I don't I don't think that that the Packers are going to be enjoying the next few years. Because I don't think that the Aaron Rodgers is going to stop making noise, especially in the the unnecessary and un- unhelpful, just a headache for the Packers. I think that they're really going to run into some issues here. But with Aaron Rodgers staying with Green Bay, I still think, yes, they have to take care of some players. They have to fix their draft or their uh, cap space. They, they they still have some things that they need to hash out and iron out in the offseason. But I think come next year, they're still the best the best bet to win the NFC North again. Um I think the Bears are not close to, to making a push. I think the Vikings, you're seeing a regime change. I don't know what that's gonna call for the Vikings or for Kirk Cousins. I don't know what his future is going to hold. I've heard rumors about Deshaun Watson going there. I, I've I've heard quite a few things, but uh, I'm 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 not a big fan of Aaron Rodgers staying. I think he should have left. I think that there was a point where they I know that they paid him a lot, but I still feel like under underneath there was still a feeling that he should leave. But nonetheless. Packers still are probably going to own the NFC North for at least another two years. Then we might start to see Aaron Rodgers, his his play start to decrease, start to decline. And then we might have quite a headache 
in the the NFC North. Detroit, uh, we talked about their draft earlier. If I think if they hit on the draft and they they see a lot of improvement in the offense and the defense, and I, I think I think the one thing Detroit has going for them is all of the players, all of the coaching staff. I, I think a lot of people in that building have really bought in to the Dan Campbell philosophy, the Dan Campbell Detroit Lions identity that they're trying to build. So I think, again, a lot of things have to happen. A lot of execution needs to happen in Detroit. But I think even if they hit on everything, they execute perfectly, I still think it's going to be difficult for them to win the division. So I would say, if we think about, a little bit of a sidetrack, but I think if we think about how the teams are going to stack up in the NFC North at the end of the season. I hope that I'm right. But from what I'm seeing as of right now, and again, this might change after the draft, but I'm going to say fourth place, Chicago. Third place, Detroit. Second place, Minnesota. But... If those flip where it's Minnesota's third place, Detroit is second place, I wouldn't be super surprised. I I might be a little surprised pleasantly. But I think those two could be interchangeable. If Kirk Cousins leaves and and the Vikings take either a rookie or they take somebody from around the league, maybe a Jimmy Garoppolo, I would probably put the 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 Lions second. But then you have the Packers first. So, again, back to Aaron Rodgers. Not looking forward to him staying in Green Bay. I'm not looking forward to the headache. I'm not looking forward to, to hearing about the headache. But the Green Bay Packers think they can win with him, and they think he's the best quarterback in the division, which he obviously is. Deal with the headache. If they could deal with the headache, then be my guest. But I'm not quite sure if that's going to be fun for the long haul. Second huge trade, Russell Wilson drafted to the Broncos for Drew Locke, the Denver quarterback, Noah Fant, Shelby Harris, two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and a fifth-round pick. The Seahawks know that Drew Locke is worse than Russell Wilson, right? Um, I I can understand that last year or last season was underwhelming for Russell Wilson. Might have put a bad taste in people's mouths. Sure, he was injured. He missed to come. Uh, he missed a couple games, and the offense, the whole team, was kind of out of sync when he came back. You saw a push at the end of the season. You saw some positive things at the end of the season, but they did end 7-10. and 10. Not great. So they decided to trade Russell Wilson. I think this was... Even if you can argue, okay, now the Seahawks have, have two first-round draft picks. They've got Drew Locke, Noah Fant, Shelby Harris. They're still missing the best or the most important position on the field with a quarterback, Drew Locke is a Tier 3 quarterback. They That means that Seattle either has to take a quarterback, they have to get a quarterback from somewhere else. I don't know if they're eyeing Jimmy Garoppolo or Deshaun Watson. Um, we just talked about how Aaron Rodgers isn't in the on the market anymore. Carson Wentz isn't on the market, and we'll get to him in a minute. But... I, I don't have any idea what the Seahawks are planning on doing. I'm going to assume that they're going to take somebody in the draft because the the draft pick, one of the first-round draft picks that they got is the ninth pick that they got from Denver. So they might be able to take a quarterback that early. But uh, it, it really is a head-scratcher. I mean, sure, they, they got Noah Fant and Shelby Harris, and that might help out the offense a little bit, but this is a very questionable draft. Um, I, I really think that both teams, 
it was kind of it was kind of a, a, a trade where I went, why? Um, I mean, if you look at the division that Seattle's in, yeah, the Rams now have Stafford, so so that's a, that's a fair point. But I, I it, there's just a lot of question marks. I, I really don't know where the Seahawks are going with this. They've got to get a quarterback from somewhere else. They they've got to either find a veteran, or they're taking a Kenny Pickett or a Malik Willis out of out of the draft. I I really can't think of any other reason why they would do this unless they were planning on taking a quarterback from the draft. So, since the Commanders took Carson Wentz, which, again, we'll get to here soon, the Commanders no longer need somebody. So you have the Jets, the Giants, and um, now the Seahawks looking for quarterbacks here early. So... I'm not quite sure what's going to happen there. But, uh, yeah, a lot of question marks here for why the Seahawks got rid of Russell Wilson. But I'm going to assume that they're going to take somebody from the draft. Good luck. Good, good luck with that. Um, uh, we I talked about Malik Willis earlier. But even with Kenny Pickett, to take a quarterback out of pit, it... It really, you got to look at the the film from this guy. You got to look at the games that Pitt played. I, you, they lost to Michigan State, and and even if Kenny Pickett didn't play, or, or he did, it, I don't know. I, I really don't think that this was the season to draft a quarterback. So I, I don't know what's what the future holds for Seattle. There, there's a lot of question marks there. But we'll see what they take in the draft. But now Russell Wilson going to the Broncos. The Broncos are in, arguably now, if not they already were, in the toughest division in the NFL. You could have argued the NFC West or now the AFC West. Okay. Now Russell Wilson has to play Derek Carr twice a year, Justin Herbert twice a year, and Patrick Mahomes twice a year. Let's say we're generous and he can beat the Raiders at least once every year, and then the second time they play, it's a toss-up. I would say more often than not, they beat the Raiders. So let's say they... In, in any given year, they more often or most likely sweep the, the, the games with the Raiders. Sure. I can't be confident in saying that about Justin Herbert with the Chargers or Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Because with Russell Wilson's age, with the injury looming, I'm assuming he feels great now. Um, you can make the argument that, at best, he, he might be either the number one quarterback in the division if Batch, Patrick Mahomes has a bad season. But I think uh, in an average season, at best, he's the second best quarterback. It's Patrick Mahomes, then Russell Wilson, then I think Justin Herbert, and then Derek Carr. Yes, Derek Carr has a lot of experience, but I think Justin Herbert is definitely going to be a heavy hitter as as he moves in his career. But I don't know. I mean, for Russell Wilson to go to the Broncos, sure, the, the Broncos might have a strong, uh, strong defense, but that's going to be rough waters every season. I mean, he, he's probably going to play Patrick Mahomes three times a year. They might end up meeting in the playoffs. So, I I just th- this is more of just a you just kind of feel bad because I don't know if that's a great option either. I mean, you, you almost want to find a division. I think Aaron Rodgers literally made his job as easy as possible. He he doesn't have any strong opposition in the NFC North, so he basically has a free ticket to the playoffs every season. But now Russell Wilson has to fight 
arguably one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, if not the best, and an up-and-comer in Justin Herbert, and a solid veteran in Derek Carr. I mean, you're talking adversity after adversity. It, it I don't know. We'll have to see how the Broncos develop in the offseason and how they look at the start of next season, but those divisional games are not going to be fun. I'll tell you right now, Russell Wilson's going to have his hands full, and we're going to see what happens, but I'm worried about Russell. The last major trade, I don't think it was a major trade, but I think the the fact that it happened is, is interesting, and that was with Carson Wentz getting traded to the Washington Commanders. Carson Wentz was in Philadelphia for years, Helped get his team to the playoffs. Nick Foles won the Super Bowl, et cetera, et cetera. Carson Wentz kind of declines afterwards. Then he goes to the Colts for a season. And I remember before the season started, I wasn't quite sure if Carson Wentz had what it took to get the Colts back to the playoffs, especially with Tennessee being so strong in that division. In hindsight, Tennessee won the division. But I saw a late push. I I personally went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game when Tampa Bay was at Indianapolis. And I saw just a strong team that really could make a push. And I and I thought, wow, Carson Wentz Carson Wentz might be might have found his home in Indianapolis. And their running back was phenomenal down the stretch. But uh, then they lay an egg against Jacksonville for some reason. Um, and they just didn't make it in. I mean, they, they had they had everything going for them. They had plenty of momentum. But then they get down to Jacksonville. They lay an egg, and they're out of the playoffs. So only being in Indianapolis for a year, he's now traded to the Commanders. Sure, the Commanders, they now have... An upgrade at quarterback from Taylor Heineke. So that's a positive there. But I don't think the Commanders are any closer to being a, a Super Bowl caliber team, let alone a playoff caliber team. I don't think the Commanders are any closer to that than the Colts were. It, the Russell Wilson and uh, all of these trades, the, they look really good on paper, but then the more you think about it, you just why? I mean, none of these seem really positive directions that all of these players wanted to go. Yes, Russell Wilson might have wanted to get traded, but if I was in position, in his position, I would have wanted to go to either the Bucks, the Panthers, but not the Broncos. Oh my gosh, the the Broncos are in such a difficult division now. But with Carson Wentz. Yeah, sure. the The Commanders, the the NFC East is is is, they're kind of like the NFC North. I mean, there's really no, or the NFC South rather. There's really no front runner, because all the quarterbacks are tier two. And I think Carson Wentz is a tier two. So it's, it's, I think he has the potential to be a tier one. But I think what he's shown in recent years, he's a tier two quarterback. But I, I again I. I don't think going to the Commanders was great either because he might have been an upgraded quarterback, but I think the team itself is is not closer to being a playoff team. I think the Colts were closer. So now he's taken a step back in his colleagues around him, in the talent around him. So I think he's going to have a tougher time in, in Washington. So I, I really, I really... I'm really worried about all three of these quarterbacks because I like Russell Wilson. I think the Legion of Boom years really defined who he was as a quarterback, and I still think he's very good. I think people, he got injured, and then he was out of some games, and they lost those games because he wasn't playing. But then when he came back, he was out of sync because when, when, when you're gone for so many weeks and the team is building their offensive game plan as the season is progressing, and then you come back and you try to, step back into those shoes and then you try to get used to the game plan you're not always in sync and so because everybody was out of sync for a season 
I think Pete Carroll got a little agitated a little too quickly, and then he got Russell Wilson out of Seattle. And I don't think they were butting heads. I think it was just a, a matter of, I think that both teams wanted to go in a different direction. And okay, sure, yeah, go ahead and find Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis out of the draft. Right, that's your best bet now. Or Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, sure, you're still going to run into the same issues with Jimmy Garoppolo that the 49ers ran into, but be my guest. But Russell Wilson and Carson Wentz, I don't I don't know. I, I really think they're going to have a tough time next season. And Aaron Rodgers, sure, you can say he's good, but he's not one of those players that if he comes, if, if his team is in the deficit, if his team is down by 7, 10, 14 points, he's not a quarterback that comes to mind where, oh yeah, he can get his team out of that hole. He can, he can come back from that deficit and win that game. Uh, no, that he's he's not a guy that comes to mind. So I think all these trades on paper, they're a huge splash for all these teams. But I don't think they're the right direction that, that they need to be going. Yes, R Russell Wilson's definitely an upgrade. And I think now the Broncos have a Tier 1 quarterback. And if I'm wrong, then and, and the Broncos were just a quarterback away, then we'll see it next year. We'll see the Broncos win the division. They'll beat Patrick Mahomes. Or they'll come in second and they'll be a wild card and the Chiefs will win the division. Sure, they'll just be a quarterback away. But we're just going to have to see. So, all right. Thanks for listening.